Welcome to Hot Off Topic. Happy Honda Days, Brad. Uh, yes, and a very merry Teotathon to you. Thank you. Tis the season. Yes. I I would just like to point out, um, actually, you know what? Never mind. We'll chat about it afterwards. All right. All right. Un, un, unrelated to anything anybody cares about except for us. I mean, I believe that you celebrate Toyotathon. I do. That's why I have multiple Toyotas. Yes. I have three Toyotas. And you celebrate Honda Days because you once owned a Honda. That's right. I've never technically owned a Honda car. So. I mean, maybe I would celebrate a Nissan sales event. Possibly, but there's no famous ones. No, there isn't. Yeah. Oh, as long as you don't celebrate Lexus December to remember, then I can be friends with you. Still. Oh, right. So that's the made up holiday. We don't like that yes, one. It is. It's a Hallmark holiday. <laughs> anyway, yes, it is uh, Christmas Eve Eve um, or non-denominational holiday Eve Eve. I think it's Festivus for the rest of us. I think Festivus is like on the day before Christmas Eve. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter because this is not a Christmas podcast. I don't think we're going to talk much about Christmas because we're talking about cars. No, no, we've done that in the past. There's some old episodes. Yeah, yeah. If you want to go back to Christmas ago, movies, cars and Christmas movies, car Christmas, car person Christmas gifts. I think we covered one episode. So there's definitely a few of them. Oh, yeah. We don't have any on air gifts this this time around. Nope. Maybe next week. Maybe. Actually, next week I'll be there, so we can definitely make something happen then. So, anyway. Moving on. Merry Christmas, everyone, is basically what we're saying. Because by the time this episode comes out, it will be Christmas Eve. It'll be Christmas Eve. And you won't listen to it until March of 2022, probably. So, 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 happy, so happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of the podcast, uh, we had to switch hosts. Um. The host we were using is closing. Yeah, um, quite, uh, quite, quite surprisingly, too. Like, oh, you have thirty days to move all your content somewhere else. Yeah, so, so we've switched. To, yeah, I've switched switched us to a new host. Updated most of the RSS feeds. Uh, supposedly, the old host has redirected our RSS feed. Um, if you're listening to this and you use Google Music, you probably aren't able to listen to this yet. Yeah, if you're listening to this, congratulations. This means nothing to you. Yeah. If you're not listening to this, you will have no idea what we're saying, so it doesn't yeah. much matter. But, but if you saw our social media post uh, about this, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, so um, if you listen to podcasts on Google Music, and if you found us by seeing our social media post and searching for us elsewhere, uh, we are trying. Um, it just seems like it's taking a little extra time than the rest of them. So, Yeah, Google seems to like want to index everything unsurprising but yeah um yeah it might take a few weeks for that to update so uh, everything else should work though because we are on currently um might as well say it we're, so we're on itunes podbean spotify amazon music tuned in player fm and stitcher so you have all those options and uh, is podbean it's our host right so that's podbean is our host and they have yeah. an app Oh, excellent. I didn't know that. Yes. Maybe I will download their app and see if it works better than the podcast player that I use. Because I think my podcast pulls from Google. So I'll have to. Uh, yeah, I don't it. know. Because that's the issue. People don't know what 
they listen to sometimes because they use a third party app that pulls from elsewhere. If you're an Android. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. If yeah, if you're one of us. Yeah. Um, or one of me, not one of Andrew. If you're one of me um, and you pull you, if you're a superior third, iPhone user, if he's a third party app, you don't know where it pulls from. So you might have an issue with it there, too. But uh, yeah, we'll make sure we put a social media post out at least one or two uh, just to get the info out there. So. Yes, and we've also found, we've talked about this before, certain apps, especially on Android, are of varying quality and may change the audio quality or the speed at which the podcast is played back. Yep. They try to eliminate gaps in talking. It's really weird. We've found that. Um, Also, the last episode I was recording just through headphones, so, or a laptop mic, so... Apologize if it didn't sound as great. Um, this one should sound a lot better because we're in my my normal setup here. I mean, it's still the same bunk information we always chat through, but just it is better high quality sound. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of people had issues last week with my volume level. Um, yeah. So that was probably also due to third party apps. I'm assuming. I'm assuming because not everybody did, and I listened to it, and everything seemed fine. Me too. So we'll see. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, yeah, we have a new, we have a new host, um, so we'll be able to uh, push things a little further this year and uh, get some bigger, better things for 2022. For I a second we... there, I was like, who's the new host? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> sorry. Thanks for choosing us over, but you're out. <laughs> no, no, no. forgot. No new host. I think we went for almost most of 2021 with like maybe two or three guests, so. Yeah. We need to make sure we're uh, going to get back on top of that for next year. 2021 was such a weird, a weird year, year two of everything going on in the world. And uh, just time to uh, kick it up a notch as far as the podcast goes and content goes. So we've made a, I guess, New Year's resolution to make sure we do more. Yeah. I'm sure if you go back to last December's episode, we said the same thing. But uh, we're dead serious about it this time. I like, actually have merch in hand. Super serious. That we're going to announce at some yes. point. Yeah, we have multiple things of merch in hand, yeah. actually. Yeah, some stickers and some other stuff. And not our typical stickers, but some neat. I think I think the kids these days call them slaps. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what they call them. It's a it's a bumper sticker. Yeah, well, that's, that's how you define a bumper sticker in the internet world, because not everybody puts them on bumpers. They call them slaps. slaps. Oh, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah. I'm sure that that reference is at least five years outdated because, again, <laughs> I am not a kid. So, hey, fellow kids. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, now that a that, uh, little bit of house cleaning is done, remember to follow us on Instagram at Auto Off Topic. Follow Andrew on Twitter on the Auto Off Topic podcast. I think it's called a Twitter, correct? Uh, yep. Oh, and oh, make sure yeah. that you review and like the episodes on your favorite app that you listen to them on. Yes. So we can get all that stuff. We usually say it's at the end of the show, but I figured it'd be the perfect time to remind everybody that. Also, you know, interesting uh, part of uh, being hosted with Podbean, it will publish a audio podcast to our YouTube channel automatically. Oh, perfect. So. Uh, if you use want to use YouTube, like, I don't know, some people have YouTube unlimited, so it'll just play in the background. Sure. Because that's always a, a annoying thing with if you don't pay for it and you shut your YouTube app off, it stops playing. 
yeah, you can't use YouTube for music with the screen off unless you pay that money. Yeah. So, which I guess makes sense. But if you do, because a lot of people like YouTube, uh, and then you want to use that to listen to our podcast, it from this episode forward, it should be posted there. We'll see how it works. Yeah. Hey, you're promising that people something we don't, we don't know about yet. <laughs> It's I'm set sure up. it works. I'm sure it works fine, though. Yeah, it's set up. So, so anyway, it's it's exciting. I mean, we 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 were forced to make a change, but I think that uh, it was time to make a change so things don't get stale. Anyway, so we have uh, yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, you're out. The cat is in. Yeah, is exactly. Name. Yeah, your your new cat and my new puppy, and uh, it'll just be silence for an hour every week. Yeah, which might be better. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on from the uh, the work here, let's uh, get right into it, Andrew. What do we uh, what do we chat about tonight? Yeah, so in some uh, somber news, uh, car news, I didn't really have anything else. Uh, unfortunately, the designer of the Mazda Miata, the NA Miata, uh, Sunji Tanaka, passed away at seventy five. Yeah, it seems awful young. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that they built. I knew they built a lot, but uh, the numbers in the drive article. I looked at uh, for any Miata, so first gen, 90 to 97. They built 430,000 of those cars. There's a lot of cars. It's a lot of cars. Huh. Pretty we were actually having a conversation car. at work today. Yeah, it, We were kind of having a conversation at work today um, discussing what the most raced car is. It might be a and Miata. This is relevant because the Miata was one of our top two choices. Yeah, it's up there. It's hot. Yeah, you know what our second, you know our second choice was a Mustang. No, actually, a little outside the box, probably a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because They're, they've been used they, in rally racing. They do yeah. Baja stuff. They do desert racing. They a lot of them been cut into rails. Yeah, they um, built a lot of them. And they built so many of them, and they've been doing it for so many years. You know, it was kind of like the we couldn't decide, and there's no like obviously there's no fact like this is how many race car Miatas there are, and this is how many race car Beetles there are. This reminds me. That's good. You go on. Uh, I I couldn't find exact numbers of where the uh, you know how many there were. Obviously, but I mean they made tons of Beetles and tons of Miatas, and between spec Miatas and autocross Miatas and just everything that's been done with Miatas. And then everything's been done with Beatles. We figured those are probably a pretty safe bet. Those are the two top most raced vehicles in the world. This reminds me, uh, I have a trivia question for you. You don't have to answer it now. You can think about it. No, they can answer it. The I got to go right now. You want to go right now? Yeah, just go. Go for it. All right. The last, um, what was the last car sold in the United States with drum brakes on the front wheels? I want to say based on this conversation that the Beetle was probably the second one because if it was the Beetle, this would be a very obvious answer. Unless it was the Beetle and that's why you remembered it. <laughs> so I, now... I did. I totally ruined my trivia. Okay, so it was the Beetle. It was a 79, <laughs> 79 Super Beetle. Yes. So the car my mom has. Yep. The last car sold in the United States with drum brakes in the front axle. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought and, that and, maybe... And the car is, is not power-assisted. Yeah, well, it doesn't weigh anything either, so that helps. But I would have assumed that it was a truck. 
like some super base model, like Chevy Silverado or something. Yeah, but that's uh, that's also a truck. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It would have been a Silverado or something like that, like that. So what I would have answered had we not blown the trivia by being reminded by talking about Volkswagens, <laughs> uh, I would have said, you know, a, a very base model, like early 80s Chevy or Ford pickup. Yeah, so that would have been my guess. So I would have been wrong. But because of the way the question was asked, I knew the answer right away. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty late for drum brakes in the front. Yeah. I know that late 60s, it was still pretty commonplace. And then it was a big selling point through the mid 70s mm-hmm. that cars would have, you know, front disc brakes. In fact, there used to be some cars that would have, you know, a call out on the trunk lid that said disc brakes, mm-hmm. just as a, it was such a novel, a novel idea at the time. My dad actually has a conversion kit for it. We haven't put on yet to convert the fronts to disc brakes. I don't know what it uses, like what calipers they are, but. Are they probably off later model Volkswagens? Yeah, you know, because they kept making the Beetle after '79. Yeah, well, and I'm true. sure there, I'm sure there was, you know, disc brakes offered after that. So it's probably something like that. I'm, I'm assuming it might not be. Us. Yeah, that shouldn't be a too difficult one. It's a bolt-on thing, right? Yep. Yeah, so that shouldn't be too bad. Um, that's neat. Good trivia. Would have been good trivia. Only okay trivia now. Yeah. What is what I think what's more surprising than that is the fact that you can still buy new cars with drum brakes in the back. I think it's a matter of um it's just inexpensive. Yeah, but you just, I wouldn't think it would I don't think it would be inexpensive to still be creating and making drum brake systems for new cars when disc brakes have been the thing for so long now. But what do I know? I know my mom's well, oh, my mom's 05 Honda had drum rear. So. Yeah, I mean, if you got to integrate a parking brake, it's easier with drum brakes. Yeah, possibly. Because you're going to either have the parking brake through the caliper or have the parking brake inside a drum brake inside of the disc. So, Yeah, and I guess it's generally on the rear wheels unless you're talking about a 80s Saab 900. So yeah. Weird front drum brakes. I mean, front... Uh e-brake calipers mm-hmm. speaking of sobs yeah much exciting news um my old sob is now fully repaired and registered and insured and everything so the plan is that next time you hear this podcast i will be driving that car so it's uh, it's in massachusetts and i'm not but when i go out there we're going to be uh, using the car and if all goes according to plan, driving at home. So, so that is good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Christmas movies, that's uh, that body style is in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's Todd and Margot's car. The neighbors. Yep. Huh. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't think they. I think they show it just real quick when they pull up and he's got the tree. Okay, just parked in the driveway. Yeah. Where are you gonna put that tree, Griswold? Yeah. <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. I haven't watched it this year. I was watching it before the podcast. Yeah, apparently you're very fresh on the. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, Margot. Oh, interesting. Yep. I just went to look it up real quick, and Internet Movie Car Database seems to be gone. Oh. All right. So you'll be driving the um, Saab around. I will be, hopefully, theoretically, driving it back cross country. Um, the other thought, which is going to depend on a few things, 
uh, is the sock maybe for sale in a few days when I get there. So we'll see what happens. So, yeah. So what? Is, uh, why would it be for sale? Um, just because I don't really need it out here. Um, I just put a bunch of money into it to make it so that it's like done and finished and running and driving. So it's at like peak car right now. Yeah. Like it's not going to get any better. It's got brand new brakes, axles, wheel bearings, alternator, fully clean, detailed battery. Like it's, it's ready to go. So if I were to sell it, it wouldn't be a bad time to sell it right now. Right. Um, it would certainly be a, um, you know, a, a good buy for somebody right now because it's a turnkey ready to go car and it has two sets of tires, snows and all seasons. So it'd be a perfect car to sell in New England right now. And if I do sell it in New England, then we would just obviously hop on an airplane to come home. Um, right. Cause I don't, I, I've decided I don't need, need the car. The, the plan was going to be to use it as alternate transportation. Once I get rid of my uh, Volkswagen, which we'll talk about in a minute too, is currently pretty much not moving. So, um, so I was going to do that. And then I decided that I was going to buy this other project car, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. Um, and it seems to be that that car might wind up being a daily out here instead of the Saab. So we'll see what happens. But so I, I theoretically do not need the car. Um, worst case scenario, I can sell it when I get back here or I can just drive it when I get back here or who knows what's going to happen. But in the meantime, the car might be for sale. So if you're in the market for a actually pretty clean, very solid, very reliable Saab 9000, I, I, I will have one for sale pretty soon. Um, probably going to put it in the market somewhere around 4,500 bucks, five grand. So uh-huh. it was on the market for a thousand dollars for a while when it needed parts, but y'all missed out. So now it's running and driving and that's the going rate for a decent Saab. Um, if it was a five speed, it'd be a $9,000 car. So buy it, swap it and sell it for nine grand. Right. Right. But anyway, yeah. So this, the Saab will be, uh, Potentially on the market. We're going to have to figure it out for soon. But the good news is that it runs. It drives. Um, it And according to my dad, it runs and drives great. So I sent him some plates, and he's been driving it around a little bit. And like I said, it's got four new calipers, new pads all around, new rotors all around, new wheel bearings, new axles, new alternator, battery. Yeah, it doesn't need, doesn't need much of anything. It needs a fan speed controller, which is in the shipping world somewhere of 2021. So I don't know when I'm going to have that, but what for the blower motor? Yeah. The blower motor, oh, it works. Okay. It works on like, <clears throat> like hurricane speed or off. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't work on the low speeds. So there is, it's $120. There's one somewhere out in the shipping Oof. world, but it just hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah. That's a lot for a resistor. So it's more than a resistor because it has a, the, all the sensors and stuff are built into it for the auto climate control. Oh, it's got that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that's why it's more money. The The base model 9000 has a standard resistor and it's like $17. But because this is a CSE, which is the top of the line luxury model. Yeah. It's uh has the auto climate control, but the base models don't. So th- there's only one level of 9000 above this one. And it's not a luxury version. It's the, not, it's the arrow, which is the, um, 
you know, sporty, slightly sportier version, but this is the top of the line of the luxury cars. So CSE Turbo is like the, like the, the 9,000 Arrow is like the 850R. And this would be like yeah. the 850 um, GLT. <laughs> like, it's kind of the comparison I'd make with it. So, yeah. anyway, so yeah, that, that's, that's the neat thing. There'll definitely be uh, some Saab pictures coming soon, at least. Uh, hopefully no sob stories. Nope. Groaning, groaning, groaning. Nope, no. Okay. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. So the other news, I guess I might as well right move into it, right? Yeah, go for it. Uh, the Volkswagen barely moves. Huh. So we've chatted about this a few times in the past that my clutch started making noise. And it was the uh dual mass flywheel that was making clunking sounds. Yeah. So the dual mass flywheel making clunking sounds has decided to pretty much take out the throwout bearing. Oh. Yes. So the car does not go in and out of gear anymore. Hmm. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes it works just fine. And sometimes it does not. So I was driving home from work the other day on the interstate and it was pretty heavy traffic. This is on Monday. Today's Thursday. And... I would put the clutch all the way in and sit there, you know, in traffic stopped. And I started smelling clutch material. Mm. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I hit the gas with the clutch all the way in and the car like lurched forward. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I went to pull it out of gear and I couldn't pull it out of gear because it was the clutch was not disengaged. So Uh. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I had to do like the jam it out of gear kind of deal. Uh, managed to get off the highway and got it home somehow. Um, I'm still not sure how I got it home. <laughs> I think it was just at the point where it was engaged, disengaged just enough. So it, it worked enough to move, but it didn't work enough to not grind the transmissions. So I don't want to do that. So the car is currently parked. Um I probably should have fixed it when it first started making noise because then it would be all set and ready, but I just didn't do it because other priorities and holiday months and all that. You're waiting on hearts. Yeah. So uh, I didn't get done. I'm going to be doing a trip to Massachusetts and then I'll come back and that will be the uh, first weekend back here's project is to uh, slap the clutch and flywheel in that. So I say slap it in, but it won't be. It won't be easy. It won't be fun, but... Since the car was broken, I decided what better time than to buy another car. Sure. Right? I mean, it's nothing if not on brand, right? Yeah. I mean, this sounds like your old moves again. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought so as well. And I was a little upset at myself. I think I talked about it quickly that I was bidding on a car on an auction site. Yeah. And I put myself in like a hard number I wasn't going to go beyond. I don't think you did, right? Uh, by 50 bucks. Okay. So, I'm still mad at myself, kind of, but not. So, I love Cressida's. First step to admitting you have a problem is, first step to fixing a problem is to admit you have a problem, right? So, I love Cressida's. I don't know why I love Cressida's. I've always loved them since I ever got that one years ago. They've always been kind of neat cars. They're inline sixes. They're luxury cars. They're... Honestly, they're they're the most Japanese sedan that we ever really got from a Japanese manufacturer, I think. 
I think this and the Q45 have the most like Japanese-ness to them. If that's a word. Uh, J32. Yeah, J30. <laughs> but I'd say those three cars are the most like Japanese cars we got. They have all the weird little like well, high tech things at the time. Uh, what about that Mazda? Yeah, that was a good one too. 929? Yeah, the 929 with the swinging yeah. air vents. Yep. Yeah. So I guess. All right, four. We'll give you four. four. We'll give you four. Yeah. So it, I guess it's just the, the highest end cars of the 80s and 90s uh, were the most Japanese cars we ever got. And this is Toyota's version of it. You know, it wasn't they weren't really Americanized much at this point. They were very they didn't change much. Um, so I love the cars, which is basically what I'm getting down to. This thing was for sale on an auction site on a no reserve auction. It was dirt cheap. I put a bid in at six hundred dollars with their four hundred and fifty dollar buyer's premium, which I'm trying to get some refunded. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, that put me in at ten fifty. My yeah. hard limit was $1,000. But there was no way to put a bid in without going over 1000 because of that stupid $450 yeah. uh, minimum buyer's premium, which is $200 more than most. So, yeah, it is. Anyway, so I, I put the bid in for 600 bucks, which put me at 1050 and I said, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm not going to put a bid in for $700 because it was also $100 increments were the minimum bids you could make. I said, so if somebody else outbids me, that's fine. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I don't need this thing. I just simply want this thing. So I think I want this thing. So nobody outbid me. So now the auction ends and immediate buyer's remorse. Okay, now I have this car (laughs) that's in New Mexico, five hours away, and I have to pick it up. It's kind of a pain in the ass. So, whatever, I, I, I put the bid in. I need to honor it, right? I need to buy the, buy the car. The auction company already took the 450 off my credit card. So, it, it is what it is. Yeah, you might as well go get the car. Might as, well, <clears throat> might as well go get the car. So, this is on a Thursday. 24 hours go by. I have heard from the auction company, but I have not heard from the seller of the car. So, now I'm thinking, all right, maybe I didn't buy a car. Maybe this guy's got mad that it only bid to 600 bucks and he doesn't want to let it go more time goes by and i'm like well i'm just going to reach out to the auction company because i've already at this point the way this particular auction company works they email you the seller's information once your credit card has been charged for their buyer's premium right and then their account representative sends a text message to you and to the seller in like a group chat to get you in communication with each other so I responded to the email with his email address. I responded to the text message. I never heard anything. So I called the auction company and they said, well, give us a minute. Let's try to see if we can get a hold of them because obviously they have other phone numbers to get a hold of this guy. So they get a hold of him. Uh, it turns out that his phone is not a cell phone, which is why the text, text message is not work. working. Yep. Uh, and he does not have any Internet access at his home. So he also doesn't have my email. So I'm like, all right, well, this guy's 100. Because <laughs> there's no other reason for this. Uh, so the lady from the auction company calls me back and says, listen, he's going to be calling you from a 505 number. That's his New Mexico house number. And he'll be able to uh, talk to you that way. So I was like, all right, cool. So I get a phone call from that 505 number. This is now. How do you, how do you get the car on an auction site? And how does it not on like, how is it not in the newspaper? 
Uh, so this car was <clears throat> advertised in many places, it turns out. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that part of the story in a few. Uh, it, it, it took an auction site taking $450 from somebody to convince somebody to drive out to this guy's house to get it. Let's put it that way. Um, so he calls me and I was like, oh, hey, what's going on? You know, it's been more than 24 hours. I was getting nervous that you didn't want to sell the car. And he's like, I, I don't know how this auction stuff works. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, I don't have any internet at my house. He's like, I don't have a cell phone service at my house. So I got nothing. I was like, oh, okay. Well, what do you want to do? <laughs> Can I come look at this thing? Can I come pick this thing up? Like, what, what's the deal? Now, at this point, it's Friday at, I don't know, 5.30, 5 o'clock. It's pretty late in the day on Friday. My original plan when I won the car on a Thursday was I'll just take Saturday and drive out there and get it and come back because it shows five hours away. So he's like, well, I can do Sunday. I'm like, All right, fine. I'll make it work on Sunday. So now I get all excited. I log back into my computer and I go to the, to the site where they were selling the car. And when I was bidding on the car, I searched Pine Hill, which is the place in New Mexico this gentleman lived. And it said that it was five uh, five hours and like 15 minutes door to, door to door to the center of Pine Hill from my house. So now I go back in, I pull the auction listing back up, and I get the Pine Hill on there. And I type it yeah. in, Pine Space Hill. And it comes up to 10 hours away. What? Now my brain is like, wait a second. So I'd pull out my phone and I put it on my phone 10 hours. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time. I can't do 10 hours each way on a Sunday and not die of exhaustion somewhere in the desert. Like, that's just not going to happen. Also, that means that's an extra, that's another 300 miles. That's double the distance. That's double the fuel. Now it's going to cost me like four or $500 in fuel to get this stupid car. This is annoying now. Now I don't want it. What am I going to do? So I'm all annoyed on Friday night and I'm immediate seller's regret because now I have this ridiculous trip ahead of me. <laughs> I go home. I'm all annoyed talking to Naomi about it. She's like, well, why don't you just leave Saturday night and stay overnight somewhere? Like go like, as far as like Albuquerque, which is like an eight hour drive from here. Then wake up early Sunday morning, get the car and drive home. I'm like, because now... Not only does it cost me extra money and fuel, now we're adding like dinner and hotels to this to this event, which is what I was trying not to do. So now this thousand dollar car is going to wind up costing me two thousand dollars, which I don't want. I was hoping to be all in for like twelve hundred bucks. So I'm all annoyed. But the next morning I wake up. It's Saturday, so you know what? Screw it. I'm going to four till four, uh, which is you know the coffee shop thing here in town. The car, cars and coffee. I went there um, with our friend Chris. Um, Angry Bird GTI on the Instagram. Um, and went there, walked around there for a while. Wound up being there till about noontime, which is pretty late for a cars and coffee out here. But I was talking to another friend of ours who's got a, a Celica, and we was talking about his car and other cars. And I was telling him like tales of woe with this Cressida. And while we're talking, I get a text message from the seller. He must have gone into like the downtown area because now he has cell phone coverage. The text message gives me his exact address and zip code. So I'm like, all right, I'll put it in. I put it in. It's five hours. I'm like, what is happening? So now I'm excited, but cautiously excited because I don't know what's going on with these addresses. So I do a bunch more digging. Uh, it turns out that in New Mexico, there is a Pine Hill and a 
Pine Hill. So like Pine Space Hill and then Pine Hill, one word? Yes. Mm. The listing on the car on the auction site says Pine Space Hill, which is 10 hours away. This guy's address is Pine Hill, which is five hours away. Much more reasonable. (laughs) And now I'm not upset. So now, because it's much closer, I'm like, I'm going to get somebody to go with me and uh, just make this trip a little easier. And I had already been talking to our friend Ron, Ron LP on the Instagram with the Starion. Uh Um, And he couldn't go on Saturday. But when I didn't go on Saturday, asked if I was going on Sunday. And now that it was only 10 hours, I was like, absolutely, Ron, you're going with me. Because A, you know, you don't want to just drive 10 hours round trip with nobody to some strange place with cash to buy a car, right? It helps to have right. somebody with you. And mm-hmm. Naomi had volunteered to go with me. But I also knew that it was the weekend before Christmas. And she had a lot she wanted to get done, you know, for her own, for our own Christmas celebration stuff. So it was much better to go with Ron and let her do her thing on on Sunday. Better Ron than me. Well, if you lived closer, you would have been there. So and you would have enjoyed it just as much. We all would have gone. Um, The trip went fairly well. I borrowed Naomi's brother's truck. He's got a 2017, maybe 2016 uh, Dodge Ram 2500 Cummins diesel. Um, And I borrowed Jordan's trailer. So there was no cost involved there except for uh, fuel. So that was good. Speaking of fuel, the Dodge Ram truck is a diesel. We get to middle of nowhere in New Mexico, about an hour from where the car is. And we last fuel station in town. We get like a quarter of a tank. All right, we'll fill it up here. We drove all the way from here to there on one tank, which is pretty good. The pump is pumping at like zero gallons per minute. It's like it's like five gallons for every 10, 15 minutes. Super slow. Probably because in this part of New Mexico, Rama, R-A-M-A-H, New Mexico, it was 12 degrees. Ah. So I'm assuming the fuel was just cold and coming out like molasses. So I'm like, well, it's 12 degrees out. I'm going to sit in the truck. So we sit in the truck and we're in the truck for a legit 20 minutes waiting for this thing to pump up. And I know this thing's got a 25 gallon tank and I look out at the thing and it's got like 22 gallons. I'm like, all right, well, it must be almost full. And I look out it's 24 gallons. I'm like, all right, it must be almost full. And I'm like, I thought it was a 25 gallon tank and I still had a quarter of a tank. So I open the door and there's just diesel fuel pouring down the side of the truck. Probably oh. at $4 and something a gallon, probably 20 plus dollars in diesel fuel on the ground. Oh. Yeah. So the automatic shutoff didn't work. Probably, and this is my this is my theory it's that it was going for... it was going so slow. Yeah. That you know how you can like trick it into pumping a little more if you like pump it really slow? Yeah. I think it was tricked into pumping more. So now I've just thrown literally $20 of fuel on the ground. There's nobody around. The store is closed. It's like a speedway. Um, it's on a reservation. There's nobody anywhere. There's just a couple of dogs, like stray dogs wandering around. So I'm like, all right, well, I can literally do nothing about this. 
I'm annoyed because I've spent this extra money on this fuel that I just threw <laughs> all over the ground. Fight. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, well, Ron, we guess we're just going to keep going. So it was very full. We'll put it that way. Um, then we turn into the, uh, we get out of the reservation back into like normal, like regular New Mexico government land. Then we go back into a reservation again and we drive into the reservation and we probably had to go, I don't know, five to 10 miles somewhere on dirt roads, very non-maintained dirt roads, like all washboard and washed out and a disaster. Then the guy told me to turn a left onto, so basically he said, go down 53, take a right when you see the wolf sanctuary sign. All right, so that's what we did. Farm Road 53 or something? No, it was like State Road 53 was the main road. And then the sign sign for the wolf sanctuary is what took you into the reservation. You have to drive like 20 minutes through the reservation to get to his, his street. Turn onto his street, and then his street is, without any word of exaggeration, it would have been a class four road in New Hampshire. Weird. Yeah, it was up and over hills and giant ruts, and we're driving down it. I turned around, I'm like, Ron, how did I crest that I even get down here? Like, what, what are we doing? Was it a park going? like a lot of years ago? Yeah, it was. Yeah, apparently. it was probably graded at that point. Yeah. So we finally get this guy's location. We barely made it in there with the trailer. First of all, it's, it's covered in snow too. this road. So we did a little four wheel and off road trip with the trailer. So that was fun. Um, it opens up to this huge acreage. He's got a double wide, like permanent trailer. Yeah. And next to this, he has like a Chevy conversion van and a Chevy pickup. And he has this 1968 Grumman Olsen bread van. Like the aluminum bodied ones. Yeah. Fully polished mirror shine. One and just it, sold for some ridiculous amount of money, didn't it? And it's got some, yeah, it's got some extension off the front of it with a grill and a hood. And it has what looked like 70s Peterbilt headlights. And it has a dual rear wheels and a big, like, you know, 10 or 12 lug front axle, like it's on a semi chassis. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So it turns out that we drove all the way through the reservation back onto government areas back at this guy's private land and he just bought this land like maybe two years ago yeah and it's like a hundred acres or some stupid amount of of room for like 30 rand yeah he bought 12 bucks whatever it was yeah but it came littered with cars because in the middle of nowhere yeah it came littered with cars so he's just telling me about all the different cars he he got when he came there he actually brought the camper him and his wife or girlfriend whatever had been driving all over the country with this camper they actually brought the camper there. That was their personal, and they had a geo tracker. So, I mean, these people are already kind of like, kind of like these are our people. Like <laughs> they have this old stuff they play with. Um, he fixed the majority of cars that were on this property, but he didn't have enough interest in the Cressida because it wasn't like his deal to work on the Cressida, so he never touched the Cressida. So this is where a number one problem happens. I didn't bring a come along to put it on the trailer because the auction company wrote in the ad that the car starts and runs. Oh, no, this guy's got to come along. The car, the car starts and runs. So now I'm already mad. This guy's like, oh, no, it doesn't run. And I'm like, well, the ad said it ran. He's like, I definitely did not tell them it ran. I told him I wasn't going to touch it. 
because I didn't want to wind up starting to work on it and then wind up getting myself deep in it because I don't really I don't really want it. And I know myself, if I start working on it, I'll wind up redoing the whole car like everything else. And I was like, oh, do you have a come along? He's like, I got three cars with winches <laughs> or two cars yeah, with winches. I was like, this guy's got the stuff. He's like, just jackknife the trailer. He's like, and we'll pull around. I forget the, his woman's name. We'll pull around her tracker. It will hook up the winch to the front of it. She's got a 3,500 pound winch. I'm like, okay. So that's what we did. I, I like kind of jackknifed the truck and trailer so he could drive the Geo to the front of it. And then he came up with like a block and tackle so he could run this thing properly through the middle of the trailer without worrying about weird angles and putting a strain on the tracker. Like he had all the stuff to do this thing right. Yeah. So we had the thing on the trailer in like a minute and a half. <laughs> it was really good. Um, when I found that didn't run, I was tempted to not buy the car. I don't know. You're there. But and that's and Ron and I talked about that. We're like, well, we have an empty trailer. We're all the way to New Mexico. We have two options. We can either take the car that you've already paid four hundred and fifty dollars for with your extra six hundred bucks. Or we can leave with an empty trailer, piss off that guy and piss off the auction company. But. We could look on Facebook and Craigslist the whole way home and try to find something for the $600 in your pocket just so we don't waste the whole trip. And I was like, oh, that's very tempting. But I mean, we're here. And I looked over the car and the car was way nicer than it looked in pictures. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Worst case scenario, I can get out of this thing for a thousand bucks, even non-running. I I could sell this thing in a day for a thousand dollars. So yeah, we're all Phoenix. We're yeah, some civilization. A hundred percent. So we're already here. Let's just get the car. We'll we'll take it home. So good news. I have another Cressida. Bad news. It doesn't run. So are all always a New Mexico car? It was just dumped on this lot. Uh, it's been a New Mexico car. It looks like its whole life. I don't have the full history. Um, it has tags <clears throat> on it that were expired in two thousand three. Uh, the tires are date coded 1999, so that checks out with the 03 tags. Yeah, um, they're definitely snow tires, but it's high desert snow, so there's no rust. Um, the car is, with the exception of the front bumper, pin straight. I don't think there's a door ding on the car. It's 100% complete. Every molding, every piece of trim, um, the interior. The engine bay, everything is there. The car is not had any, it hasn't been taken apart. It hasn't been touched. It was saved from any kind of, you know, shenanigans just by being out in the middle of nowhere. So even the paint isn't in bad, bad shape. It's got some, some burn through on the top surfaces and it's a single stage. So you can see like some of the primer coming through on the trunk and the hood and the roof, but the sides of the car, the paint is almost still shiny. Um, it's got some weird alloy wheels on it that are factory Toyota. I think they're either off of a similar era Celica or Supra, but they're not Cressida wheels, I don't think. So those are kind of neat. Um, we rolled it out of the trailer. I rolled it off the trailer. The brakes work fine. Huh? So everything seems to be pretty copacetic as far as the car goes. I have not had a chance to go through it very much yet because this was all last week. 
And again, this is the week leading up to Christmas, and it's just it's been kind of a, a hectic time. Um, but I have been doing some uh, Lysol and Microban sprays in it just because it doesn't have a lot of mouse activity in it, but it has some. And the mouse population in that part of the New Mexico has what they call the Hantavirus, uh, which is pretty dangerous for humans. So I don't want to breathe in the mouse, mouse feces uh, without, you know, a lot of killing of it and making sure that we wear a proper N95 and we vacuum it out and gloves and, and clean it up. But it's it's really not bad. I've I've seen a lot worse as far as mice go, and there's no mice damage in the vehicle. It's just it's a honestly uh, for 600 bucks there. I definitely did not go wrong. So I've already been offered almost that for just for the window visors. So. I could easily get that back out of it by Weird. selling window visors and maybe those wheels that are on it. Who knows? But so, yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm a little excited about it now. I don't I don't know that I want to do a huge project because I have too many other projects. But any idea why it doesn't run? I haven't even looked into it yet. Uh, I have a couple of things I want to do I, as, as tempted as I am to throw a battery in it and crank it over. Uh, I'm not going to do that. It is a fuel injected car. Um, so my plan is to disconnect all the fuel lines and, you know, turn on the fuel pump and clean everything out of there before dumping it all into the, into the, uh, fuel injectors. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to drain the tank. If there's anything even in there, I haven't even looked yet. Uh, drain, drain the tank, put some kind of cleaning product in there put, and drain it again. Um, I believe you can dump. So if there's a drain in it, I believe you can dump acetone down in there. Okay. So break everything up and then drain it. Honestly, it seems like a, I was crawling around the bottom of it a little bit. It doesn't seem like a terribly difficult tank to get out of there. Um, so I may drop the tank before doing anything and then just blow the lines backwards to clean them out because as tempted as I am to start this thing, I just I don't want to wind up making my project life harder to doing that. So uh, it's an interesting car. I've learned a bunch actually that I didn't even know about these particular Cressidas, which is surprising because I've been doing Cressida stuff for a long time. So this is 1981 Cressida. I think it's a base because it's a cloth interior. So what I didn't know is I let me back up a little bit. I thought that there were four generations of Cressida in the in, in the states. There was, and I'm only going to use the sedan chassis codes. I'm not going to get into the wagons, but just the sedans. There was the 77 to 70 to 80, which is what I, my blue car is, which is chassis code MX32. Then the next generation, which is what this car is, I thought was MX-63. And then the third gen, the green one that I used to have, was MX-73. And then the more rounded, kind of bubbly 90s one, late 80s, 90s one, was an MX-83. So I mistakenly thought this car was an MX-63. What I've learned is there was a split in that generation. So what my car is, is an MX-62. So for 1981 and 1982, the Crestas that came to the States were 5M GE powered, which is basically the 4M that's in my blue Cressida, but with a couple of changes and fuel injection. And they were solid rear axle through 82. And then in 83, 
they switched it to the MX-63, which was a twin cam 5M GE, GTE, oh, I just blew it, 5M something. Um, maybe mine's a 5M E, yeah, mine's a 5M E, and the twin cam is a 5M GE. So they switched it to the MX-63 with the twin cam engine, which was the same in the 70, MX-73s, which was my other car I used to have and an independent rear suspension. So this is kind of an in-between car I did not know existed. So it makes it both simpler um, and also maybe, I don't know, is it less cool? I guess I, I don't really care about the rear axle. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't need to be IRS. It's totally fine. It's not a race car. So it'd be simpler to lower this way anyway, right? One of weird camber. Yeah. But anyway, so it's, it's a neat car. Um, I'm not upset by it at all. Um, I don't want to put a ton of money into it until I figure out what's happening with the engine. Um, worst case scenario, I've already done the top end on one of these cars before. So God forbid it has a blown head gasket. That's not a hard job. Um, and it's, you know, 50 bucks in parts. You already got a set of wheels that look good on it. Uh, yeah. So the plan is to run, I still want to run those Enkies on the blue car. And then take I think the blue. Look good on this car because the gold. Yeah, I plan on painting them silver for the other car. Yeah, I guess I could run them right now because they kind of fit. Yeah. The, they kind of fit the patina of the car. Yeah. I was going to put the other crest of wheels. Yeah, on you, don't this have car. To, you don't even have to restore them really; just clean yeah. them up a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Maybe do that temporarily anyway. Yeah. So. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think it'll be neat. Um, I was looking up suspension stuff today as far as lowering it, just because you kind of have to, because they look cooler that way. And uh, the whole suspension setup is sub one thousand dollars, so shouldn't be a, shouldn't be a big deal to do it. And again, not till I get it running and running well. So, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited. I, I do I need another Cressida? No. Does it matter? It's so cheap; it almost doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I I remember at one point in my life I spent a thousand dollars on a television. So, what's a thousand dollars on a whole car, right? Sure. So, and like I said, the, the beauty of it is, I, I can get out of it for what I'm into it without even trying hard. You know, I've I've pretty much almost been offered already. So, if I do want to get out of it, it's not a big deal. So it didn't hurt me anyway. Anything to do it. Uh, big thanks to Ron for riding out with me. Um, it made the trip go by pretty quickly. You know, we talked about it before that for us, like a four or five hour trip doesn't feel like anything anymore because we've done so many cross country events. But this is nothing, but it, it wasn't bad. Uh, I, I will say that uh, new diesel trucks are a bit ridiculous. Mm. Um, you don't even know you're towing a trailer, number one. It's barely even there. Uh, this is a it's a top of the line truck, whatever the. Bighorn. Maybe it's one step below Bighorn, but it's got heated, cooled seats and a heated steering wheel and uh big stereo system, whatever brand it is that Dodge has. And, um, the Ram Midhorn Midhorn. Yeah. Uh, it also has what I thought was cool. It has the trailer mode, obviously like even my old diesel head, but it has a factory engine brake. Like, uh, like a Jake brake. Yep. In the pickup trucks. I've never, yeah. I haven't driven a new enough truck to know that was a thing, but coming down the hills back into Phoenix, 
the mountain pass is kind of windy and downhill. And I was able to turn that on and barely use the brakes. It was, uh, it was very nice. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I, I dug that a lot. It wasn't even that loud. It wasn't like a, you know, a straight piped 18 wheeler. It, no. it, it didn't make a ton of noise and it was a pretty comfortable truck. The whole, the whole trip there and back. And I, I don't, I, I still can't justify the price of one of these trucks, but it was definitely a very nice truck to be in. So I rode pretty harsh before I put the car in the trailer, but other than that, it was great. So highly recommend it if you could afford one. I don't know about longevity of Dodges and stuff, but it seemed to be a good car. But anyway, yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the Cressida story. It's now here. Um, Currently parked in the driveway, so I got to move some cars around. But it doesn't look terrible. You know, some of these project cars you drag home look like trash and they're sitting out in the driveway. But this car is, it's complete and clean and I'm, uh, I'm here for it. So I think that uh, tomorrow I'm going to throw a battery in it and just go through all of the, the lights and windows and make sure everything works like it's supposed to. Because I haven't done even that yet. But I'll have a little bit of time because it's uh, Christmas Eve and we're not doing anything with the family until four o'clock in the afternoon. So I'll have all morning to kind of play around a little. Mm. So I'm excited. The other crest that I broke, though, I think it was jealous. Yeah, what broke on that? So that same day that I was driving around everywhere in the morning uh, with the car going to four till four and I made a couple of stops on the way home to do some Christmas shopping stuff. And uh, so I started and shut off and started the car like three or four times and I got home and I shut it off and I went in the house did a couple of things came out to put it in the garage and the starter doesn't do anything uh, so remember that year you had a year of brake problems yeah this has been my year of starters yep so I'm assuming it's a starter I didn't diagnose it at all we were actually uh, babysitting some nephews when it happened so I just pushed it back in the garage and uh, we'll diagnose it a little bit later on. I, I hit the starter a couple times as you do just to see if it was stuck. That never works for me. It never works. No, didn't work this time either. So I, I, I got to be able to pull the multimeter out and check the voltage in the battery and maybe, maybe the battery is just dead, but it'd be odd if it was because I've been driving the car all day and it's a brand new battery. So yeah, if the alternator wasn't charging, the alternator was charging I, I didn't get any lights or anything. So yeah, that's probably the starter. They it's just more. It's more than starters like the just starter. go. Like yeah. they'll just. They don't really make noise. They just go. What's super frustrating about it is I think I tossed a starter for a Cressida in the trash because when I moved across country, it was in my parents' basement, and I did not own a Cressida at the time, and I didn't feel like dragging it across the country. So well, I would just send this one out. Yep, that's the plan. I'm going to like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll test the battery to make sure it's not something stupid. Uh, and if it's not, and it's, it's clearly presenting like a starter because it's, you hear it click and you hear it. That's it. So it kind of clicks and doesn't do anything. Yeah. So um, then the, the ignition switch is working. So, yep. Yeah. That was the first, the first thing. So you hear it click and you kind of hear like the things kind of straining. So my, my assumption is like starter. a starter. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, it's it's it's. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. Razor, that's a starter. Yeah, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. I just want to check the couple of obvious things first to make sure. But at least it, it looks like it's a fairly easy one to get to. 
So, and I still have a couple of things to fix in the front suspension anyway. So I need to jack the front of the car up anyway. So I'll do it all at once. So no stress. It's old car life, right? Yeah. So, any project car stuff? Or are you stuck in full winter out there? Um, not too much. I mean, long story short, I stole the Q45. Yep. Uh, didn't sell. So I, uh, it did have a brake pulsation and I had ordered brakes to, to swap them for the, the buyer because he was concerned about it. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fair enough. I should have swapped them before I, I sold it. So I was like, I'll throw them in. No problem. Um, I did, I did the front brakes. They're easy to do. I broke my rule though. I didn't buy calipers for it at the same time. Right. One of the calipers was slightly seized. So I had to wait like a week while I was away for work and also waiting for the parts to come in. So now it's got new front brakes, power stops. Actually, not like not slaughter or anything, but that that was like the brand on Rock Auto that they had. And sure. then some new calipers. So excellent. Um yeah, it wasn't like we didn't really have an issue stopping. It just had a pulsation, probably because that one had seized and warped the rotor. Yeah, which is the, usually again, yeah, something you probably should have thought about before beforehand. But it is what it is. Yeah, sometimes you just get seized, like uh, you know, get seized. Sometimes you just get warped rotors. Yep. Like I, I have the Galant has warped rotors, but the calipers are new. Sure. Like they just sometimes they just warp. It's just just happens. But the, the action of heat and cooling cycles. Um. I threw threw a fuel filter in it just to make sure, but it already had a new one. It was fine. Excellent. Well, the the good news is, again, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of this car, but the good news is that everything this guy claimed was wrong with the car, we're going to be able to prove that he was not true about. So, yeah. And you're Uh, actually taking it the next step make it even nicer for the next time it goes for sale but right now you're deciding to hold on to it for a little bit and just drive it i don't hold on for a little bit yeah i was thinking about uh i don't know throwing on Haggerty drive share or something see what happens yeah no it just it just seems like the guy who bought it probably got some cold feet and had a little bit of buyer's remorse and unfortunately used the platform to say some things that aren't 100 percent true and we can uh we're going to have to disprove just because it's out there now, you know, but the good news is we can. So, yeah, the the turn signal uh, was broken. I epoxied it. Sure. It apparently didn't hold, which is fine. So, That's legitimate, legitimate. I don't know what else you would do. I can't find a used one anywhere. Yep. So that the legit repair was to epoxy it with. Sure. I, I tried to use it. Didn't JB look plastic weld. It didn't look bad. <laughs> no. But it didn't hold either. So yep. um, there is that guy local that's like Perfection Plastics. I was thinking about messaging him, maybe sending it to him, see if he can melt it back together, whatever he does to repair plastics. Have you tried any of the two-part like auto body stuff yet? I use JB Plastic Weld. I haven't used that stuff yet, but there's some... I'll Remind me when we're out there, we'll go to the auto body. It's like really weird FRP type plastic. It's... Yeah, and I think it's really common for them to break, and that's why they're so hard to find. Yeah. So well, if somebody can repair this one, then that would be ideal. There's some auto body grade stuff that's like un unstickable. Um, 
even better than the plastic weld stuff. Because the problem with the plastic weld is that the glue bond itself isn't super strong. It, it's supposed to melt the plastics together. Yeah. Um, so if the plastics aren't the exact chemical composition that that product works with, it doesn't yeah. always work perfectly. Um, I know my father has some of the stuff as at, at his house that he's used before. Some like crazy two-part glue that i mean literally manufacturers use glue to put quarter panels in cars now so yeah there's some pretty strong glues out there that we can probably make work so it's kind of like trying to use model car glue on something it's not a model car like it's designed yeah. to melt the plastic together and if it's a different kind of plastic it ain't gonna work so yeah. that's probably that's probably what it was we just need something that's an actual two-part epoxy that gets real hard and becomes its own glue so but anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get that fixed. No big deal. Oh, I did order um, some like uh, nuts and bolts for the back of the G20. Okay. For the suspension because I have new suspension parts. So there was one control arm that was rotted that I replaced last summer. Correct. So the, I remember it that. Gonna, it was going to break. Yep. Uh, but the other ones were okay. But I bought all of them. But... Um, Luckily, the side I had to do, so it looks just like a Subaru with the long, long bolt through the knuckle and the two control arms. Luckily, the one side I needed to fix came apart without too much trouble. Um, but the other side is definitely seized. So I just ordered all the hardware, all the alignment bolts, um, so I can take those off and replace the all the arms. And at the same time, I'll take the knuckle out on the driver's side, and that's when I can work on getting the ABS sensor out. Yep. Uh, It'll be out of the car anyway. anyway. Yeah, I need to order that ABS sensor, but I'm waiting until the spring because right. the car's just sitting all winter. Right. Um, so to do that, I, I bought, my dad knows this, I, I bought for the two of us for our Christmas present because it's it's hard to buy for the two of us. Um, sure. A uh, induction bolt heater. Okay. That's the coil thing, right? Yeah, it's called the it's it's kind of silly. It's called like the nut buster or something silly. It's yeah, of course. Uh, but it's like an American made one. Had really good reviews. But yeah, it's got it works on one ten, but it's got all these different type of coils, and you just put it over the bolts. And I guess you don't from their video. You don't get it like cherry red. You get it just to the point where it's it's starting to get hot. Okay. And you take the nut off or the bolt out, and that's enough to shock it to get it big enough. And the nice thing is you don't have to use a torch with an open flame, especially if you're working around things with bushings that you don't want to destroy or a fuel tank or, just or plastic wires. Yep. Um, so that should be pretty cool for the occasional rusty stuff. Although yeah, I've pretty, seen that. I'm pretty lucky with bolts, but. I've, I've seen that used in conjunction with the, um, like the freeze off spray. Yeah. Like you get hot, then instantly cool it and get it hot and instantly cool it. And a lot of times that helps break it free too. Yeah. So that should be pretty interesting. Um, and then it does, it's cool because it's got a bunch of different attachments. It has one that's like a flat pad that you could use to like take off emblems and stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's neat. I've... And then just, just watching it work, it's like literally seconds and the bolt is like hot. Yeah, I don't know exactly how they work other than, I mean, induction is obviously it transfers heat through it somehow, but 
I know I've electromagnetic. I think I've seen them in action, and I know they work pretty well. So I'm that's a good that's a good tool. Especially I mean, as far as like the size and like. I know people that have like acetylene torches in their garage. And it's like, you got to have that tank and you got to have it filled up and you got to have it strapped to the cart and all this stuff. And you can only use it in certain places. Cause it's literally the, the, the size of it is, you know, the, the torch handles big and then the flame, it's like, you can only use it on certain things. Right. Cause you don't want to burn your car down. Did you get the bolt buster? Is that what it's called? I think it's called bolt buster. Yeah. 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 That's the one I've seen used before. It's uh it's pretty neat. I remember actually back when I bought that Audi 4000, um, they used this at the shop to do the alignment. Yeah, that's the thing. So if you got like a tie rod end that's stuck, you could, they have a coil that you can, it's like floppy. You can like wrap it around Yep. a tie rod end and then plug it in and do it. Um, so, it, you know, a little expensive, but I think it'll be worth it for... Listen, it's if, like if it saves you one hour on every project, it's worth it. Well, that's the thing. If it, if it saves you the time and then it saves you the destructive removal of something. Yeah. There's nothing worse than having to be destructive and ruining other parts. Yeah. You get things apart. Yeah, you wind up breaking with older cars. You wind up breaking a knuckle trying to get the piece apart. And that knuckle's probably 500 bucks even used. So, yeah, you've already saved, you know, that's more than the, that's more than the tool cost. So exactly. Totally worth it. Again, that's been the biggest like improvement in my quote unquote mechanic life is uh, making sure I have the right tool for the job. Right. You know, it, it makes it makes life easier, it makes life way easier. And if I could give one piece of advice to, you know, 16 year old me, it would be don't buy these cheap garbage tools, like just get the right stuff at the right time. So. Makes life way easier. Proper pry bars are much better than flathead screwdrivers. That's right. So that's just the basic of it. (laughs) Anything else? I don't think so, Andrew. I think I'm ready to wrap it up. It's been a solid hour, I think. A little over. All right, cool. Usually a good length. So, as always, um, well, we want to wish everyone a happy holidays and safe holidays. And uh, if you've got, if there ends up being some issues, we'll post about this, but with... uh, these episodes being posted to uh, podcast providers. Please be patient with us. It's part of the updating process. I hope there isn't much delay, but also there is. Thank you for being patient with us. Cause you yes. made this far. That means you found them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're working on it at and, the end. Uh, at the end of the day, we don't charge anything for this. So uh, sometimes things get a little pr- priorities sometimes get changed, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Yeah, we try our best. But per usual, you can follow us uh, on Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Instagram, and uh, it's autooftopic.podbean.com is our current website. It's like a it has all the podcast list on it. Yeah, and you like... can actually play from there. Yeah, it's like a landing page just for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So it's autooftopic.podbean.com. Yep. Cool. And Brad, where can they find you? Uh, as always, they can find me at the uh, TSI SS350 name on Instagram. And uh, I guess Brad DeSantis on Flickr, is where you'll see all the pictures. Cool. Oh, yeah, I'm on Flickr too. It's uh, But I'm also Race and Anger on there. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I'm right. not. I, sh- I should make TSI SS350 a searchable term there too, but yeah. Usually, usually if you see, no, that's not even true. I'm not gonna say it. I was gonna say if you see it on Instagram, it's probably there too, but it's not. No, not always. But there's so there's different there's different content there than there is on Instagram. There's yep. usually more detailed content of the same thing sometimes. So all right. On that note, keep your guys analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.